0: Everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field West. We are back from Winnipeg. And I'm not quite sure what to call what happened in Winnipeg, but there were there was a a problem with the field and a football scrimmage broke out or something like that. Yeah. Um, because as we all know by now. 80-yard field, there was a problem in the end zones. Both teams basically decided to rest all their starters. It was a battle of the backups from the, I was going to say opening kickoff, but there wasn't even an opening kickoff, so I can't even say the that. The opening snap. But anyway, bottom line, Packers and Raiders played preseason game three, but it actually looked a lot like a, more like a preseason game one because none of the starters were in the game.
1: Yeah, it was funny, too, because I was talking to Tim Boyle about this after the game, and he said it's probably the closest – Thing. he's played to a backyard football game yeah. uh, since he was a kid because there were no goal posts uh, in terms well there were goal posts but you could kick field goals but there were no kickoffs I should say uh, you had the issue with the end zones so you're throwing between the 10 and zero. Uh, goal line. Yeah, the goal line was the 10
0: on each end of the field.
1: So all of that stuff made it for kind of a wild deal. But as you said, the most important thing is, Mike, for a lot of young guys on this roster, it was another opportunity. It was another opportunity to go out there and show that they belong. And when final cuts get made next week, that they deserve to be on the 53-man roster. So while it had such unique circumstances surrounding the game, The the goals and objectives for the players that were suited up were very real.
0: Yeah, and we had talked heading into that game about a couple of guys who were due to injuries were making their preseason debuts in game three, and I thought both of them came out of that game with exactly what they were looking for, and I'm talking about Trevor Davis and Josh Jackson, one player on each side of the ball for the Packers. Trevor Davis, I tell you, we talked about him when he got back into practice, coming back from the stinger injury, how he kind of picked up where he left off, well, he took everything that he was doing in practice and he did it in the game. He, If you were to pick one star of the game, aside from quarterback Tim Boyle, who I think we'll get to, but Trevor Davis was the guy who really shined on this night.
1: Trevor Davis was uh, the star of this game regardless of the other positions and whatnot because of what he could potentially mean to this offense and to this team uh, should he be on the 53 a week from now? He is dynamic. He is versatile. And now he's contributing as a receiver. I honestly believe, Mike, if you just showed me the film of Trevor Davis running routes back in 2016 as opposed to where he is at today, I think there's a night and day difference. And it's not just being able to be crisp and be able to be accountable and exactly where you need to be. The guy is catching everything. He is made up for lost time. And I thought it was very interesting. He said this after the game. You know, he sort of needed to remind everybody of where he was before that stinger against Houston and yeah. in the path he had been on, and he needed to be able to put that production into a game. If you wouldn't have known any better, you would have thought Trevor Davis would have been out there the entire training camp, had not missed two weeks, had been out there and being able to get five catches for 78 yards and a touchdown, 18 yards off a reverse, a 17-yard punt return. The guy's the number one gunner right now on punt coverage. Trevor Davis is in all the exact spots he needs to be to put himself on this active roster.
0: Yeah, he's definitely stating his case that uh that there is a place for him both on offense and on special teams on this roster. I
1: want to say one more thing too. Yeah. Cuz he's not here anymore and and certainly things did not go the way they wanted to, but Trevor Davis had a massive advocate in Ron Zook last year. Yep. And this is a guy that really believed in his talent, not only just as a returner, but spoke very highly of him as a football player. If this ultimately ends up playing out the way Trevor Davis wants it to, I think you need to keep Ron Zook in the back of your mind because that guy stumped pretty hard for him to be on that roster.
0: Yeah, and with, uh, with all the injuries and everything that he dealt with last year, when other teams in a lot of those types of instances just move on from a young player, Packers have stuck with Davis, and uh, it looks like it could pay dividends for them. Josh Jackson... Missed the first few weeks of training camp with a foot injury. Was brought back in very slowly in terms of working his way up to 11 on 11. Um, And as we had mentioned last week, kind of a forgotten guy in this whole cornerback mix as Tony Brown has come on, as the rookie sixth-round pick from Toledo. Kadar Holman showed some things. Even Chandon Sullivan, an, an undrafted guy. But Josh Jackson, he gets in and... Early in that game, a couple of pass breakups, a couple nice play defensive plays downfield. He's got his feet back under him again. He did exactly what he needed to do in this game. I'm not sure in this whole cornerback rotation how it's going to shake out when the real games start, but Josh Jackson at least uh, had that opportunity to, to say, hey, everybody, I'm still here. So
1: it was interesting. I talked with him in the locker room on Sunday, and he mentioned you know, there was still some rust he had to knock off. He wasn't 100% thrilled with his performance. But all things considered, in the time he missed with the foot injury and the fact that those were really his first tried and true repeated snaps he's taken with the defense, one play after another, yeah. was actually in a game.
0: Yeah, in a sequence. I,
1: I thought he played pretty dang well. I and thought
0: so too. To
1: have two pass deflections, um, from what I remember off the top of my head, not really any catches given up or allowed. I just thought it was very consistent performance for him, something to build on. And let's be honest, Mike, I wrote it in the story that we posted on Packers.com on Monday. The Packers, this is a guy that played 16 games from last year, started 10 of them in this secondary. Josh Jackson was a very big part of this scheme. And had he not been injured at the beginning of camp, would have been out there with the defensive sub packages. So not sure exactly where things are at with Kevin King yet. Josh Jackson is going to be in the mix for snaps in those nickel and dime based or defenses and and seeing how that all shuffles out uh, with Jair Alexander and Tony Brown. We've said it time and time again, Mike, you need options at that position and Josh Jackson gives the Packers another one of them.
0: Yeah. Well, Another guy we need to talk about in terms of really stepping forward in this game against Winnipeg, he's the guy who got the starting nod at quarterback with Aaron Rodgers and the number ones on offense resting, and it's Tim Boyle, and we will see how things play out this week with the preseason finale against Kansas City, but this is the first time, I guess you could say, Wes, that we've really seen what could be a uh, a a flip in the uh, quarterback pecking order here. Tim Boyle made his case with a really, really solid performance in Winnipeg to potentially be the number two quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers.
1: I have two thoughts on this. The first one is Boyle was exceptional. Started slowly, almost had a pick in the first or second series. Yeah, the slipped. first
0: the first quarter was not going nope. well. And then suddenly in the second quarter, three consecutive touchdown drives, I don't you know, I don't care if the goal line's the ten yard line or the regular right. goal line, three consecutive drives that end in touchdowns, that's do that's doing something. That's production.
1: And I don't want to put words in Tim Boyle's mouth but just watching him and talking to him a little bit after the game to me that is probably the most confident he's looked in a Packers uniform Uh, once he got that first touchdown producing series it was important for them to come back and get another one he had some nice downfield passes Uh, he was not afraid to take chances he stood in the pocket he stood tall made the throws he had to make and he cut down on some of the erratic Nature that had been sort of plaguing him in the past with some of those downfield throws. I just thought it was an exceptional performance by him. The other thing I want to point out too, more so than any other quarterback I can think of, maybe going back to Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn's probably the the best example of this. The path the Packers have taken with Tim Boyle, and this is a credit to Mike McCarthy too and his staff, and now with what Matt Lafleur has done. I think this is one of the most even keeled, balanced development of a quarterback that I can remember in Green Bay. Last year, Tim Boyle didn't play a lot yeah. during the offseason. He didn't see a lot of snaps during training camp and played you know a little bit near the end of camp where you really got to see him play an extended amount of snaps. They were really careful with him, but you saw enough to warrant him being on the 53 all year. This offseason, they tested him more, and as you said, they have him pushing for that number two spot right Mm -hmm. now. There's one game to go. There's a lot that's still on the line between him and Deshaun Kaiser, but I just thought Tim Boyle's performance, if you're Matt LaFleur in this coaching staff and you're looking for signs that this guy has taken that next step – I thought you definitely saw them in Winnipeg.
0: Yeah, I think what stood out to me, and it's not just the numbers, the 113 quarterback rating, which was very impressive and all that, but when Boyle got into the second quarter, overcame that slow start, started moving the ball on a consistent basis, you could see he got into a rhythm, and that's the confidence you were talking about. He was dropping back, planting his back foot, and letting that thing go. And that type of rhythm has been quite frankly, and a lot of it has to do with the players around you too. In preseason, you can end up playing with third string, fourth string guys, and all that. That's all part of it, but that kind of rhythm has been so rare for a Packers backup quarterback in the preseason. I honestly thought that it was the best quarter of football I've seen by a Packers backup quarterback in the preseason in at least a handful of years, and we saw some nice flashes from Brett Hundley. We've seen some flashes from Deshaun Kaiser, but in terms of three consecutive drives where the quarterback was really in a rhythm and seemed to be in command of everything that was going on in the field, that's what really stood out
1: to me. Yeah, it was the most impressive uh, quarter I've seen from a backup quarterback since, as I mentioned you before, Graham Harrell keeping his job at the end of 2012 preseason when he had like a 16 of 18 performance against Kansas City starters that helped him stay on the roster yes. in a time in which he really needed that. Yes. I just thought Boyle was confident. I talked to Justin McCray about this afterwards in the locker room, the way he handled the huddle, his composure, giving a really unorthodox set of circumstances that he was forced into, uh, with the field, with the fact that Aaron Rodgers ended up not playing in that game when there was some thought that he might, uh, he adjusted to that. He made it work, made it work for him, and, and now he's put himself in a position. In, in the number two battle will work itself out, but I just think a performance like that it keeps them in the conversation to stay on the 53 and continue telling the Packers that, you know what, whether I'm two or three, whatever you want to shake it out to be, didn't mean to rhyme that, Yeah, I deserve that opportunity, and, and you're, you don't want to part with me just yet.
0: Yeah. Well, we've got some more things to talk about from the Winnipeg Game West, but first, select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at cousinsubs.com. Cousin subs we believe in better. Okay, the bad news out of Winnipeg, Wes, is that the Packers came back to Green Bay with a bunch of injuries, unfortunately, and we don't really have time to talk about all of them, but some of the key ones that jump out, um, Equinemius St. Brown, a uh, nasty looking ankle injury on a play where uh, he took a-, a hit where that was actually penalized, a helmet shot, and, uh, But it wasn't the uh, head injury that we all thought at first. It ended up being that his ankle got messed up there. Curtis Bolton, the undrafted rookie out of Oklahoma, who seemed to be in line to be that second inside linebacker in the base package alongside Blake Martinez, he goes down with a knee injury. Alan Lazard, a young wide receiver, trying to make a bid for a roster spot. He's now in the concussion protocol. And we saw 1st round draft pick Rashawn Gary also leave the field, although what looked kind of scary at first, he ended up sitting up. His his head kind of bent back awkwardly when he was got getting in on a tackle. But then he was able to sit up. They didn't need to stabilize his neck or do any of those kinds of things, and he was able to, to walk off the field. We don't have a whole lot of information on these injuries just yet, but um, some of these You know, and this is just the reality of training camp and a preseason. Some of these injuries are going to impact the final roster decisions a week from now. It has to, yeah, uh,
1: in some regard. And that's the unfortunate thing. And you really you're happy to see that Gary appears to be fine. He was walking around in the locker room, seemed like he was in good spirits on Sunday. Um, So you knock on wood that everything's going to be fine with him and the bright future that he has in the NFL. The thing that's tough for Bolton and Lazard, and even EQ St. Brown to some extent, is all these guys were fighting for roster spots, they were fighting for roles, and now you have an injury late in camp that kind of complicates that. Bolton's the one that your heart really hurts for, though, because he was an undrafted rookie that was getting snaps with the ones at the time of the injury. It almost reminds me in a way of 2014 or 15, whenever that was, that Joe Thomas had kind of looked really impressive early in camp, and he ends up having the knee injury against Tennessee. So for Bolton's sake, you hope it's nothing major. He was talking to the media on Sunday. He said the hope is is it's not a significant injury, but there still really isn't a timeline.
0: Yeah, there seems to be still some uncertainty as to exactly what's going on and and what his prognosis is moving forward.
1: So you have to wait and see there. Uh, In the interim, Time Summers is thrown back into the limelight. Uh, A guy like Raven Green is a hybrid linebacker, safety type is going to be in there. Brady Shelton, the practice squad holdover from last year, going to have a chance to shine. And and even James Crawford, who is a pretty entrenched special teamer, yeah. trying to show that he could be a you know uh, an asset on defense. So this last game, because I'd imagine, especially with Blake Martinez kind of working through some stuff, even though he was practicing Sunday, I think this is going to be the tie summer show again on Thursday against Kansas City, and proving that the seventh round pick uh, out of BYU, I almost said BYU, TCU, TCU yeah. uh, deserves a spot on the 53.
0: Yeah, well, and to Summer's credit, because we talked through the first two games about how he had racked up a bunch of tackles, but he'd also missed his share of tackles. And he was the first one to say, both of those games, he should have had more tackles right. than the stat sheet said. Well, he cut down on the missed tackles. He was much more sound fundamentally. He did lead the defense in tackles once again um, in Winnipeg. But uh, even though maybe he didn't have any of the the splash plays or the flashy plays, because of the fundamentals and cutting down on the missed tackles, it was probably his best performance. Well,
1: and here's the thing, Mike, that you have to realize uh, with the inside linebacker position in 2019. The splash plays are great. You want to have them. It's how you end up making a career for yourself. As a first and second down linebacker, though, you just need the consistency side of it. You need to be able to, to either tackle your guy or hold him up for the scrum, not lose him, not let him get behind you. Um, be gap sound, be fundamental. Use your technique. That's what the Packers want. That's actually, to be honest with you, Jake Ryan took some some hits at times from people, but th- he was consistent in that way. You could count on him against the run. Yeah. Blake Martinez is the coverage, you know, third down linebacker right now. He's the guy who's on the field every play. Oren Burks has those tendencies, but right now you just need somebody that's going to stem the tide because in those sub packages, you have Raven Green. They're hoping that they're going to get Ibrahim Campbell back at some point. Yeah, You have the defensive backs that can help you out. So for Summers, I thought it was an encouraging performance because he just looked a lot more consistent.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the uh, next guy that I want to talk about, and that's Raven Green, who we've been talking about him since the beginning of OTAs, how he came back from the ankle injury, rebuilt his upper body, essentially put on about 10 pounds, um, just looks physically larger, physically stronger. He's been playing safety as well as that hybrid uh, linebacker role in the dime defense or whatever type of sub package that Mike Pettin calls there. And with the roster move the Packers made, releasing or waving I guess I should say to be technically accurate, waving Josh Jones, the former second-round pick from North Carolina State, um, the door now is wide open for Raven Green to take the job that he's been working on and that he has stepped into and filled so well throughout this offseason, throughout this training camp, and start doing it in the real games
1: raven green was a very accomplished safety at james madison i mean
0: 14 interceptions he, a school record as he did of
1: everything he could to put himself on the nfl radar but i just feel like this position this hybrid role this in the box this kind of slot cornerback linebacker's position for him is tailored to his skill set perfectly now he's in a unique spot because he's also the next man up behind adrian amos and with uh, Darnell Savage back there. But yeah. in the interim, playing that role in that, that that package that we've seen become so prevalent throughout this defense and defenses across the league, uh, this is a key time for him. And it's also unique in that he's had a full offseason because of Josh Jones not being here during OTAs. Right. And mini, or he was here in many camps, but during OTAs and the offseason program, this gave him a chance to settle into that role a little bit. And he's going to be a key player for this Packers defense this season. They need him to be that. In addition to everything he offers on special teams as a personal protector and and things of that nature.
0: Yeah, and I wrote a story about him after Sunday's practice. It was posted Sunday evening on Packers.com. If you want to check it out, it was an interesting conversation at his locker, me and a couple of other reporters. Two things really stood out to me in terms of what he said. One is that all of this stuff with kind of playing hybrid linebacker sometimes blitzing uh playing against the run he didn't do any of that at James Madison yeah. he was the center fielder that's how he got a school record 14 <laughs> interceptions but that's all he did in college and now this versatility and everything that is becoming his calling card as a young NFL player it's all new to him but he's loving it he yeah. you know he he's really fitting what the packers are are asking him to do <clears throat> excuse me and then the other the other thing is just the coming back from that injury that ankle injury he last year he was making a name for himself a little bit on special teams he had five coverage tackles he had a forced fumble a big turnover in the San Francisco game but then he started to get some more snaps on defense when some injuries hit he was getting snaps at safety things were looking a lot more promising. Then suddenly, boom, he goes down with the ankle injury. He ends up on injured reserve. I believe he missed the last six games yeah. of 2018. That was not easy to come back from. But what he said is that he actually learned a lot from the experience in terms of really what it takes to be a pro. And um, not to say that you know he wanted to get hurt, but he said really he feels like because of the injury and everything he had to do to come back from it he's a better player now than if he had never gotten hurt yeah. in the first place and i thought that was a, a really interesting perspective because uh because a lot of at the time that it happened you wonder are we ever going to hear from raven green again cuz it yeah. wasn't it, it was a difficult injury and uh, and he's a young undrafted guy who's just trying to make his way well here he is he's back and he's going to be on the field quite a bit for green bay
1: i'm glad you made that that little bit of a comment there because there is a decision every GM has to make when you're dealing with an undrafted type player and I kind of call it that Chris Banjo-McInton-Dorleant decision where you know Chris Banjo got hurt the Packers moved on and that was a mistake Uh, he's become a a really solid special teams player for New Orleans and also a backup uh, that rotates in with that secondary McInton-Dorleant the Packers put as an IR, and they brought him back designated return. It never really quite worked out for him. Right, You need to find that line of demarcation. It's not easy to really grasp, but I like that the Packers stayed consistent with Green. They went back to what they saw from him in the beginning, and they trusted that, OK, he's going to come back from this injury and he become he can become a player. Because let's be honest, Mike, when a guy's coming off, he's a second year player coming off an ankle injury, there might be some apprehension to have him with the starters there going back out into the offseason program. Sure. Packers didn't have any of that. And I think for everything we've seen from Raven Green, he's rewarded them for some of that, uh, you know, that dedication and trust. and you know, knock on wood for him. He puts the injuries behind him and this can be a productive season.
0: Yeah. No GM ever bats a thousand with those types of uh, decisions, but they certainly like to see the players who reward their faith in them because uh, this is the kind of thing that happens almost every year.
1: Absolutely. And and, and let's be honest. I mean, you fill out a 53-man roster, you're going to have undrafted players. You're going to have unproven players. You have to trust them and they have to produce. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, with that, we will Call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage on the team, of the team, excuse me, on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hodd. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, if you will. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.